Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Folds, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, April 14th, 2022 in the Gregorian calendar and the 13th of Nisan, 5782 in the Hebrew calendar. And don't forget to stay with us until the end of the show because I have a big report coming out today that I've been working on with my team for months and months. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be interesting and it has a little holiday cheer at the end. Now, let's get to the news. Five Palestinians have been killed during violent clashes with Israeli troops on Wednesday into Thursday early morning. That's according to Palestinian media. Yesterday, two men were killed in Janine and a third person was severely injured. Three Palestinian men were killed late Wednesday night in Silwad near Ramallah. It happened during a big arrest throughout several cities and villages in the West Bank, which is causing protests and shootings between Israeli forces and Palestinians who are coming out into the streets. Troops also raided and entered the home of the mayor of Al-Qadr, which is a town in the West Bank. They suspect his son is involved in terror activity. Other convicted terrorists who have been released from prison were arrested throughout the West Bank and Jerusalem for, again, participating in terror activity, or so says Israeli forces. In total, the Palestinian Red Crescent says 31 people were hurt in clashes with Israeli forces near Joseph's tomb when Wednesday morning. One person later died from this. We reported on this story in yesterday's podcast. Joseph's tomb was vandalized and defaced days ago. A Palestinian teenager was shot dead by Israeli forces in the town of Husan in the West Bank Wednesday night. He'd been throwing Molotov cocktails at Israeli soldiers when it happened. Some reports claim the boy was 14. Others say he was 16. The boy's name is Kusai Hamamra, and he is a resident of Bethlehem. When forces were hit by firebomb, they shot back in the direction that it came, hitting and killing the boy. A man who was arrested for being in Israel illegally has turned up to be the person police believe murdered an elderly couple in their Jerusalem apartment in 2019, and also the murderer of a foreign worker from Moldova who was killed last month. The 34-year-old man from Hebron was arrested after the murder of Ivan Tarnovsky on March 22nd in Jerusalem. That's the man that we just told you about from Moldova. Police are linking the Palestinian man to this 2019 murder. He had also stabbed a teenage girl a day before murdering Yehuda and Tamar Kaduri in their Jerusalem apartment years ago. Police say this was a particularly difficult case and believe that the man is a member of ISIS, his official indictment is expected to come out within the coming days. 
Gaza terror groups came together to call for an escalation against Israelis with the intention of stopping Jews from participating in any activity at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Hamas head Yahya Sinwar says the activity will stop at any cost and is declaring a mobilization in all the places where Palestinians are located and asking them to come out and protect the mosque. This comes after Hamas put out a statement saying Jews will be prevented from making animal sacrifices at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is an ancient tradition that is not practiced anymore. However, shocking news is coming out from the Times of Israel site saying that in fact there is a group of Jewish extremists who are calling for Jews to make sacrifices at the site. More on that in a few. In the meantime, Fatah, a governing group in the West Bank, is calling on Palestinians to confront Israel defense forces and settlers who are in the West Bank. That's according to Army Radio. Ramadan worshippers typically cross into Israel without permits while officers look the other way around this time of year so that they can come in and pray. This year, tens of thousands are expected to enter the country from Palestinian territories in order to attend Friday prayers. Four Jews in their early 20s are now in handcuffs as officials arrested them for allegedly planning to sacrifice a goat at the Temple Mount for Passover this year. Animal sacrifice is not practiced in the modern Jewish world, and so people in news outlets everywhere were surprised when Hamas put out a statement saying they would not allow this. Those arrested by Israeli authorities are residents of Jerusalem and Jewish settlements throughout the West Bank. One suspect was caught with a goat inside his home, apparently an extremist group which advocates for the construction of a third holy temple, is offering a cash prize to anyone who would make a sacrifice on the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is currently under Jordanian authority, but is a holy site for both Muslims and Jews. The first and second holy temples were constructed in this location, but were brought down by the Babylonian and Roman empires during 586 and later again in 70 CE. The prize money was 10,000 shekels, or roughly 3,000 U.S. dollars, for anyone who achieved this feat of sacrificing an animal at the Al-Aqsa Mosque or on the Temple Mount. Israeli police say they are working 24-7 to prevent anyone from violating law and order at the Temple Mount. If you are getting caught up on your Israel Daily News, we'd like you to consider sending over a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News slash support. The financial support that we get from subscribers helps us maintain our show and it helps us to continue to grow and try to reach new audiences. Subscribers will get a handwritten thank you note and a little poem that I write myself to let you know how thrilled we are to have your support. Thank you for your interest in Israeli affairs, Israeli politics, or world politics. We have one link to the show notes, which you can click on, and that'll take you to the page where you, too, can make a contribution and feel good knowing that you're supporting independent journalism. So check that out at IsraelDaily.News. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Two, you can share the show with a friend. And three, you can follow us on Facebook at IsraelDaily.News, as well as Shanna Fold. My name has two N's in it, and I'm very sensitive about that. You can also find us on Twitter at Israel Podcast. 
And now for a special report on kashrut in Israel or the systems of kosherness. I've been working on this for months with the special help of our former intern and researcher Alex Schloss, as well as current intern Erit Skulnik, who went around town collecting bits of information and interviews. Israel's kosher certification system has long been dominated by Israel's chief rabbinate and orthodox lawmakers. But a new government plan aims to reform the system, which critics of it say is fatally flawed. Every year, Israel's kosher certification system costs taxpayers around $4 million, or about 13.1 million shekels, according to a study conducted by the Israel Democracy Institute. A plan was unveiled in July by Religious Affairs Minister Matan Kahana of the Yamina Party to end the monopoly of the chief rabbinate on the kashrut system. However, the proposal has been met with fierce opposition from the rabbinate as well as ultra-Orthodox lawmakers themselves. However, the bill passed its final readings and is now in the process of being implemented following the government's passing of the 2021 budget. The proposal would allow for the establishment of private kosher certification agencies, which would still be required to uphold the religious standards set forth by the Rabbanut. The Rabbanut is a group of rabbis that come up with the standards for religious issues. The plan would set up an overarching supervisory body of the chief rabbinate to monitor and make sure that private companies uphold the kosher standard. The chief rabbinate issued a statement criticizing the plan, saying it's a, quote, dangerous initiative to destroy kashrut in Israel, and says the proposal would mean the end of kashrut in the state and the creation of a bazaar of groups with impure motives that will begin handing out certification. The Israel Daily News podcast reached out to the office of the chief rabbi for a comment, but did not receive a response back. Rabbi Aaron Leibowitz, a Jerusalem-based rabbi who started the initiative called Hashgacha Prati, supports the establishment of private kashrut agencies and feels the rabbinate has too much financial and political monopoly over the current kashrut laws in Israel. Leibowitz was behind the establishment of Zohar as we know it today. We're going to give you more details about Sohar later in the show. The claim that the kashrut reform creating competition in kashrut in Israel will be detrimental to the quality of the kashrut borders on the ludicrous. The most reputable kashrut agencies in the world grew up in a competitive market, see the OU in the United States. The chief rabbinate clearly are trying to maintain their monopoly, the huge financial interest and political power that that monopoly brings, now, it is true that the kosher consumer in a competitive environment needs to educate themselves as to which agencies can be trusted. But that's true today as well. Today, kashrut supervision under the Rabbanut monopoly is local. Each local uh, religious council and Rabbanut have their own supervision, and the consumer is not aware of the fact that there are huge differences between the reliability and the quality of the different agencies in Israel. This at least will make it transparent. There'll be competition for pricing. There'll be competition for service. And there'll be competition for the quality of the kashrut supervision itself, which can only serve to raise the bar. Sohar, an alternative kosher certification agency, is one of the private organizations that has arisen to provide affordable kosher t- certifications in contrast to the chief rabbinate. 
However, one major obstacle that Sohar faces is businesses cannot declare themselves kosher in writing. They can only do this in practice as the chief rabbinate in conjunction with local rabbinates still has a monopoly over this world. So they still need to go through some red tape. However, a chef named Moshe Basson conducted a survey which found half of older Orthodox diners say they would accept Sohar's certification of kashrut. Currently, many business owners have to pay for the rabbinate certificate, which in some cases is, as they say, too costly and discourages restaurants from being officially kosher because of the price. Globe's newspaper published a piece on this where they spoke with a man named Daron Bichler, who manages a 148-room hotel called Ma'agen Eden. He told the newspaper that keeping it kosher just got too expensive and that he even decided against offering lunch because he couldn't afford the cost of kashrut supervision for this additional serving. He reported switching over to Zohar and paying 60,000 shekels a year instead of 350 to 400,000 shekels a year. That's about 18,620 US dollars in comparison to 108,620 US dollars. According to the Israel Hotel Association, hotels in Israel spend around $12.5 million every year just koshering their kitchens for the holidays. Sohar began with restaurants like Our Cafe and Elon's and are now expanding to hotels. Their kashrut certificate costs a few thousand shekels, depending on the size of the hotel, which is substantially less than the price charged by the rabbinate, with smaller restaurants saving hundreds of dollars each month and larger establishments saving thousands. A rabbinate certificate also means that businesses must employ kashrut supervisors, which are added to each restaurant's expenditures on top of the fee paid to the rabbinate and on top of the cost to have a supervisor on premises at all times. The visits from these extra supervisors could take just a few minutes, but are costly. McDonald's, which operates more than 50 kosher restaurants in Israel, spends around 1.5 million shekels or 435,000 U.S. dollars annually to keep their kosher certificate fresh. Sohar aims to cut McDonald's expenses for all of their businesses in Israel. If McDonald's makes the switch to Zohar, they are estimated to pay $290,000 annually, saving Israeli McDonald's half a million shekels per year. Many have attributed Israel's kosher authority to a mafia, with the rabbinate turning a blind eye to those close to it while harassing others who are not in their corner. Lachmania, a bakery and cafe across from Habima Square in Tel Aviv, claims to be kosher but does not have any certification. Our intern, Erit, went there with her reporter notebook and interviewed the manager who says the restaurant is closed on Shabbat and only serves dairy products, but technically speaking, cannot consider themselves kosher. Many kosher people, however, visit this shop because they personally feel that it is kosher enough for them. According to management, getting a kosher certification in Tel Aviv is not worth it for their business because there just are not enough people in the city who require a kosher certificate in order to eat in that establishment. In Tel Aviv alone, more than 40 restaurants have switched over to Zohar. Hakosem, Zuka, and Basel Bakery are just some of the names of eateries that are now under Zohar for their kosher certification. Zuka, a cafe, and gelateria say they are happy they made the switch over to Zohar. One staff member noted that they found the rabbinate was harder to work with than Zohar. 
Fabrizio, an Italian restaurant on Dizengoff, has their kosher certification under Zohar, and they maintain the same position. Because I don't like the rabbi. The only one took money. It's very expensive with the rabbi? I don't care expensive or not. I care the people behind the kashrut. Of course, the people. And everything is kosher and everything is the same. But they don't want only money. Zohar's team works to supervise restaurant certification and also pushes to bring more women on board as kashrut supervisors, which they say is an important step toward diversity and inclusion in religious establishments. Until about 10 years ago, the rabbinate forbade women from taking the exam officially. The most recent state comptroller's report on the rabbinate was held in 2017, and in their concluding reports, they stated that not much had been improved since the report that had been conducted 10 years prior. The comptroller found the rabbinate is lacking proper trainings, frequently has conflict of interest since training supervisors and other employees actually receive payment directly from the businesses that they are sent to survey, which the comptroller asked to be changed. The report also suggested a lack of coordination between the Ministry of Religious Affairs and local rabbinates like the Tel Aviv rabbinate, for example, or the Jerusalem rabbinate, since each city has a local branch. Businesses claim they are paying for hours of unattended supervision and that the public is losing trust in the system. Moreover, the comptroller says that the Ministry of Finance must be involved in bringing the cost down to achieve kashrut certification. We have reached out to their offices as well to see if they are moving ahead in that mandate. I've personally reached out to the Tel Aviv rabbinate to ask them to respond to these accusations since we were unable to reach the state rabbinate and thought we would have better luck with the local bureau. We are waiting for their press department to get back to us on some of our greater questions and we are going to have any answers that we might get from them to you soon in upcoming episodes. In the meantime, Eldad Mizrahi, who is the chairman of the Religious Council of Tel Aviv, told us his colleagues are all extremely busy preparing themselves and their businesses for the holiday of Passover, which requires Jewish families to do cleanings in an effort to rid their workspaces of any trace of grain since this is forbidden for Jews to eat on Passover. I just got off the phone with him and he tells us that this year, the cost for businesses to get a kosher for Passover approval for their kitchens will only cost a small fee of 300 shekels, which includes setting up burners, gas, and hot water, and that the crew comes with equipment to kosher surfaces and pots and pans. This gives the stamp of approval, saying restaurant kitchens have been converted into official kosher for Passover spaces, plus a bit of extra cleaning might be added in if things don't look up to snuff. He says the low price of 300 shekels for small kitchens and 600 shekels for big ones, which comes out to about 100 to $200, is being offered at a discount in an effort to help businesses that were hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic and that he's trying to make the rabbinut or the rabbinet more accessible to struggling business owners. We'll get back to you if any of the government offices that we reached out to within the last months do get back to us about our claims. If you have any favorite restaurants that are going to be kosher for Passover this year in Tel Aviv or in Jerusalem, feel free to comment them on our social media pages. 
Before you go, I want to share some Passover transportation updates with you from the popular transit app called Move It that is used quite frequently here in Israel. Passover Eve, April 15th, and Monday 21st as well, trains are going to operate only between 6 a.m. and 3 p.m. in the afternoon with extra trains to help people get to where they are going. The Tel Aviv-Haifa route will have two trains per hour in each direction, and on Saturday, trains will operate between 9 p.m. and 12 p.m. with increased frequency. Buses are going to operate regularly as well, even at night, and this is extra because there is typically no train connecting Tel Aviv to Jerusalem on Saturday evenings. All right, well, that is it for today's show. Today is Thursday, April 14th, 2022. Tel Aviv has a low of 11 degrees Celsius and a high of 22 degrees. That's 51 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 71 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. I also usually add in a few personal anecdotes so you can get the inside scoop on what's going on in my personal life. And I always mention our professional highlights from the Israel Daily News podcast. You can sign up for this on our website at israeldaily.news if you would like to get news roundups. הילדים קופצים עליך, הם הכי יפים בעולם. אתה Thank you.
smile.